Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Central this morning where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that's what you experience today, the presence of Jesus alive and at work in your heart and your life. This winter, we're studying the life of David, and we're asking a particular question for disciples. What does God do to give us a heart for himself? What, what tools does he use in the life of a disciple to give us a heart for God? And today, we're going to look at the tool of friendship. We're going to study one of the most famous friendships in the Bible between Jonathan and David. Jonathan was the king, the son of King Saul, the very first king of Israel. So he was the heir. He was the prince. And David, however, was God's choice to be king. This shepherd, this, this unassuming boy had gone out and fought Goliath and God won that battle through David and now the Lord was going to lead his people through this shepherd. And part of God's manifest blessing in, in David's life came through his friend Jonathan. Question for you today is, what is God doing in your life through friendships? Do you have any friends that are close enough to actually be an instrument of Jesus in your life. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, and we'll stop there. We'll pick up the rest later, but let me pray as we turn our hearts to God's Word. Oh Lord, now we ask that you would grant that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Open the eyes of our hearts that we might behold Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. 1 Samuel 18, beginning in verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. All this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Some of you have been around Central long enough and you've heard me tell the story of the dissolution of my former marriage. I'd been married for five years. This was before Missy came into my life. And I, just a few weeks after graduating from Covenant Seminary, preparing to be a pastor, my wife left me. She said, I don't love you. I've never loved you. I certainly don't want to be a pastor's wife because I don't know or love Jesus either. It's a dark, hard time in my life. And I was Presbyterian by conviction at that point, but then I gave my heart to being Presbyterian because the voice of Jesus spoke to me through elders and through pastors and through friends in our church that had been bound together in Jesus. And I needed that because I'm a, a duty person. I'm a kind of a person who struggles with guilt, and I will do everything I can possibly do to make sure that responsibilities are maintained. And here I was preparing to be a pastor, and I couldn't even keep my marriage together. I felt like a huge failure. 
The session clearly determined, Clay, you're not the one who left your marriage. She, she's abandoned you. And nevertheless, I just felt this weight in my soul. And where, how am I going to deal with it? I have a friend. His name is Jim Hatch. Some of you might know Jim. And Jim walked me through that time in my life. He physically walked. We walked in Forest Park and metaphorically he carried me through. And there was one day we were walking in the park, I remember, and I was really struggling. I was thinking about the question and I even asked him, did I do everything that I possibly could have done to repair this? Did I leave any stone unturned? Jim, could I have done anything more? I was pouring out my heart and Jim said, yes. And I was stunned. I remember exactly where we were in the park and I stopped and looked at him and I said, I thought you were here to encourage me. <laughs> he says, Clay, you've asked the wrong question. There's always more that you can do. No one is ever able to do everything that could possibly be done. You're asking the wrong question. You can't control your former wife's heart. What you really need to grapple with is, is Jesus enough? Is his grace enough in your life? Is his blood enough? Is his work, his, his providence in this hard season in your life, is he enough? Is Jesus' faithfulness enough for you today? That's the question you really need to grapple with. And I remember saying, Jim, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Jesus is enough for me right now. And so he responded, well, I'm going to keep telling you about him. We're going to keep walking every day. I'm going to keep telling you about him. I'm going to point you over and over to Christ because that is where the true salve for your soul is going to come from. That's where you're going to be able to unburden this hurt that you feel. Do you have a friend like that? A friend who will tell you the truth and, and who knows the ways that your heart works and will point you to Jesus in the middle of them. Do you have a friend like that? We are revived when our friends point us to the true king, the Lord Jesus. Now, I know it's true that married spouses have this joy of being friends with one another. But also the Lord made us in his image for friendship. And not everybody's called to marriage. Think about Paul. Think about even Jesus. If you are married, you need friends outside of your marriage in addition to building a friendship with your spouse. Because it's through friendship that real strength and courage comes from that the Lord sends through his goodness and his grace into your life. And it's through your friends that the Lord will sustain you through the storms of life. And it's in part through your friends that the Lord is going to grab hold of your heart and give you a heart for himself. How are we given a heart for God? Through friendship. Well, first, we see in this story that God shows his faithfulness through our friendships. We saw last week that God fought Goliath and won. David said the battle belongs to the Lord. He used David to do it. But this little shepherd boy defeated the giant and everybody was enthralled by his victory. Even the king's son, Jonathan, came out to greet him as everybody came out to greet. And they formed a fast friendship Verse 3, they made an incredible gesture. It says that they made a covenant together. Literally, it says they cut a covenant together. Covenant in those days was, was a bond. It was a promise sealed by blood. It was a pledge of life and death to one another. Now, some modern people try to turn this into a same-sex relationship. 
try to try to make it something more than it, it really was. The truth is that people sealed promises with covenants all the time in the Bible. We seal our promises sometimes with a signature. It was sealed with a covenant in those days. This was not an illicit same-sex relationship. They pledged faithfulness to each other to be lifelong friends. And it called them to this ceremony of cutting a covenant. It involved slaughter of animals. They would take an animal and, and cut it in half. The bigger the promise, the larger the animal. They would cut it in half and pull the carcass apart, and the two people making this commitment to one another would walk in between the pieces of the animal. And what they're saying is, if I'm unfaithful to this bond, may I end up in pieces too, just like this animal. It's a pledge of life and death. Talk about faithfulness of a friend. Now, in our world, so many of our friendships are, are, are really all about user they're user friendships. I'll use you to get ahead in some way. Or we have friendships of convenience and being consumers. We have something that we want to offer to one another. It's a transaction. Or some of our friendships today are, what can you do for me, friends? How can you help me climb the ladder in this world? And in that kind of world with user and consumer friendships, faithfulness stands out. Do you have any faithful friends? Beyond the user, the consumer, the what can you do for me, who are faithful friends in your life? Saul, the king whom God had rejected, was Jonathan's father. And as you can imagine, he began to grow jealous and he was threatened by David because not only was he afraid of losing the heart of his son, he was losing the heart of his nation. Look at verse 6. As they were coming home when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and musical instruments, and the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they've ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the whole kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. Saul was jealous. He, he was threatened by David. And it was an incredibly dangerous time because David was invited to live at court with King Saul. And sometimes Saul would fly into a rage and try to kill David. It happened at least four times. We read in the next few chapters that Saul tried to nail David to the wall with his javelin. He threw his spear trying to kill him. And Jonathan is the one who intervened and stopped him. And next, uh, the, the, uh, King Saul sent soldiers out into the wilderness to, to track David down without anybody knowing and, and kill him out in the wilderness. But Jonathan tipped him off. Jonathan was the one who intervened. And there was another time where Saul was slandering David to the court, telling everybody how terrible a person he was, and Jonathan stood up for David. Jonathan was the one who intervened in that moment. And then later, Saul put together a trap to lure David back into the court, saying, all is forgiven. Let's reconcile. Let's, let's come renew our friendship. And Jonathan intervened again. And this time, Saul threw the same javelin at his own son. Tried to kill him. Jonathan was faithful in friendship to David. One commentator suggested that this faithful friendship 
came at the most dangerous time in David's life, and it actually, he said, bracketed the evil against him. You know kind of how that feels, how sometimes a friend can somehow make it feel like you're insulated from all the evil in your world. There's a, there's a haven inside that friendship from all that's going wrong and all that evil. That covenant, that, that pledge of life and death that, in that friendship made the pain of David's life and the evil, evil of David's life bearable. I don't think it's too dramatic to say that this friendship sustained David to survive. Maybe that's what the best friendships do. The deepest and closest friendships make the storms of life survivable for one another. God will grab hold of your heart through the faithfulness of a friend. Because look, I mean, the truth is, we live in a wicked and fallen world. And you're gonna face all kinds of evil, both inside your heart and outside of your heart. And God didn't create any of us to face that alone. You're going to be tossed by your own sin and by the attacks of other people, just like you're floating on a raging sea. It's going to happen. And you're not going to make it in any meaningful sense of the word without the gift of faithful, close, and deep friends. Who are those people in your life? I mean, maybe it's just one or two or three. Who are those people? Because it's not just going to happen. It takes time. It takes investment to share your heart, even the scary parts of your heart. It takes an investment to develop faithful friendships. Because the reality is that faithful friends point us to a faithful God. Faithful friends are just snapshots. They're like like pictures of what God is really like. We have a friend, the Bible says, who sticks closer than a brother. It's the Lord Jesus who's been given to protect you from your sin to protect you and me from ourselves. He's been given to fight against the evil inside of us, the evil outside of us in this world. And he's done it all through the power of his own bloody cross where he was crucified for you and for me. And in the power of his victorious resurrection, now that same Jesus who's ascended has sent the spirit and he dwells within you to strengthen you. The Lord Jesus is faithful because he made a covenant with us. He took the death that we deserved because we broke the the covenant with our own creator. He gave his life on the cross because we rebelled. Jesus is the very definition of faithfulness. He's the one who, who loves us when we're unlovely. He's the one who chases us down when we're running away. He's the one who forgives us and, and changes us when we're content to wallow in our sin. That's what the friend who sticks closer than a brother has done for you. And he continues to do it for you and for me. And he calls us to be this kind of friend for another. Because we have that kind of friendship with him. The kind of friend the Lord has been for us. He calls us to be that kind of friend to the people around us. When your friends are faithful to you, I want you to understand it demonstrates that Jesus is faithful. Our friends are like signposts to point us to the real faithful Lord. So when a Christian brother or sister keeps their word and it's hard for them to keep their word, to keep their promise, and you're thankful that they've been faithful to it, remember that they're faithful because Jesus is faithful to you. When a friend does something exceptionally kind in your life, 
Maybe you feel seen and the burdens of your life feel seen and they feel shared by this other person. When they're exceptionally kind, they're simply a stand-in for Jesus. They've put skin on God's promise to be the God who is with you in that moment. That's what friends can do. And when you serve another friend in faithfulness, you have the privilege of being the hands and feet of Jesus to that person in their precise moment of need. Is that not incredible? Jesus will give us that privilege of being his hands and feet to be a living picture of his faithfulness to someone who's in need. That's what being a friend really is. I realize how scary it is to open up your heart and let someone know the real you and invite them in to be your deep heart level friend. I know. And sadly, it's true that sometimes the church can be the hardest place to find someone like that because we're all so tempted to pose and posture and pretend. But I want you to know this, friends. When you feel like you want to retreat and when you feel like you don't want anybody else to know what's going on in your heart, that's exactly the right time to open your heart up to the body of Christ, to the body of people in your church so that the faithfulness of God would be demonstrated and lived out in your life through a friend. And they're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to do it perfectly because all of us are sinners. But if you can chance opening your heart to others in the body of Christ just a little bit, they can show you, enable you to feel the hands and feet of Jesus. So the members of his body, the, the people of his church, that the Lord will show you just how faithful he is, how loving he is, how present he is with you. God shows us his faithfulness through our friendships. And second, the Lord molds us into who he wants us to be through our friendships. Sometimes it's true that we need friends to push us to be who God wants us to be, to prod us along in our Christian walk. And God used Jonathan to strengthen David's hand in that. That's what it says in, in chapter 23, that Jonathan strengthened David's hand in an intimidating calling, becoming king. We need to know anything about it. We need other friends to push us into being who God wants us to be. Because the truth is, sometimes our friends can see us better than we can see ourselves. Sometimes our friends can identify where we need to grow and where we need to change and we need them to tell the truth as they push us to become who God wants us to be. Look at verse four. See how Jonathan responded to David's victory over Goliath. He said, it says, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. How could have Jonathan responded to this? I mean, he had been trained his whole life as a prince. Everything about his training was he was being raised to be a king. So imagine the lessons. Imagine the lessons in warfare, the lessons in command, how to use that sword and bow and armor, all the lessons in etiquette, the, how to, the lessons of leadership, all of these things that Jonathan had heard his whole life. And now comes David, this shepherd boy, not even knowing how to put on armor. And God had made him king, and Jonathan surrendered. Jonathan surrendered his inheritance. Jonathan surrendered his place as prince for God's rightful king. 
He gave up his robe. This is, this is the royal robe that everyone would know that the boy wearing this royal robe is our next king. David received it as Jonathan took it off. Jonathan gave him his, his instruments of command, his sword, his armor, all of his, his instruments to lead the king's army in order to serve and bless David, who had been called into Jonathan's position. Jonathan laid down his life to encourage his friend to be the man that God had designed and called him to be. In fact, Jonathan did serve David until it cost him his life at the end of his life. There is truth here that deep relationships catalyze us to be who God designs us to breathe. Our friends prick us, our friends push us, our friends prod us toward God's desires. And being that kind of friend for someone else sometimes calls us to sacrifice something important for the other. When you talk about friendship, it seems like it's against the law not to use an illustration from Lord of the Rings. So here we go. I love that story. I love the story of Sam and Frodo and, and the way that they are friends toward each other. And, and Frodo had a job to do. He had a calling. He was supposed to destroy the ring, but he couldn't do it by himself. He needed a company. He needed a fellowship to enable him and strengthen him toward this calling. And he especially needed Sam that faithful and always present friend to encourage him to do what he was called to do and be who he was called to be. At the end of the story, Frodo's climbing up Mordor to throw the ring in and destroy that ring. Hot lava's all around him. They're exhausted. They've been, they've been fighting. They're making their way all the way to Mordor. And the closer they get to the top, the weight of the ring is even heavier on Frodo's neck. And he can't keep going. He collapses. He can't, he can't move anymore. And it looks like the whole, the whole three books are all lost now because Frodo collapsed at the end. But then comes Sam. Sam shows up and he heaves Frodo onto his shoulder and he begins trudging up the mountain with Frodo on his shoulder near death. And remember what he said? He said, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. That's a friend. His friend carried him when he couldn't keep going himself. His friend walked him into fulfillment of his calling when the weight seemed like too much. That's, that's what a friend does. There are two sides of this to see here, the Sam and Frodo, the Jonathan and David and Sam. We see one who is faithful and he was there to, to carry his friend. But on the other side, we see Frodo. He has to let himself be known. He had to let himself be seen as weak. Sometimes it takes incredible strength to be weak and let someone see what you really and deeply need. Where in your life, like David, are you needing a Jonathan to help you become who God's called you to be? And on the flip side, where are you called to be that Jonathan for someone else? It may be some sin in your life that you can't face by yourself some addiction that's grabbed hold of you and you need brothers or sisters to come alongside you, even carry you when you can't go. Reach out to friends. Reach out to someone for help because growth in holiness, growth to becoming the person God wants you to be and what he's designed you to be isn't an individual thing. You need friendship. Some sports are individual sports and some sports are team sports. 
And growth in Christ is a team sport. We need one another. We need other people. And sometimes that task before us is just too big to pull off. And we need a friend to help us when our knees are getting ready to buckle. It's easy to ask, who does that for me? Who's my friend like that? Who's my friend in my life like that? It's a great question. But an even more Christ-like question is asking, for whom do I need to be that kind of friend? Into whose life is the Lord stepping me to become become a friend like that? Because the goal, the the, the Christ-likeness here is not in collecting a group of friends, but in becoming a friend like this. Who is it in your life? I'll close with this, the even deeper truth. That team, the team sport of growing in Christ-likeness isn't just a human one. Friends are just tangible, in the flesh, tools of the Holy Spirit who's given to help you keep going. The Holy Spirit who helps you grow, who helps you grow in holiness to make you who God desires you to be. And it's through that Holy Spirit that he points you to Jesus, the one who ultimately laid aside his robe. Jesus is the one who took off his robe of royalty. Jesus is the one who left the throne to die for you and to live in you and live for you. You aren't alone in your fight for faithfulness, your fight for holiness. You have a friend in Christ, a deep and abiding friendship with Jesus. But do you have any friends here? How many friends in this room? If you don't, why don't you get started trying to get to know some? Take the risk, and you'll find Jesus meets you through your friend. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you are the kind of God who gives us friendship. You give us people to bear the load in our lives. You give us people to know us and experience joy with us and even walk with us through sorrow. I pray, Lord, that everyone in this room and everyone watching this live stream will have the privilege of knowing a deep personal friend. Lord, do that in us so that our community would see that there's a God alive here who enables us to be faithful faithful in serving and loving one another. Do all that work, we pray, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ. Amen.